Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to PHNX Wildcats, presented by DraftKings. And if you're not on DraftKings right now, you need to go download that app. The great thing about that app, if you put in code word PHNX, you're going to get a $200 play and only have to put down $1. And with gambling here, with it legal, you need to go with something that everybody knows about. And let's be honest here. DraftKings is that place because who doesn't know about it and who doesn't know about the reputation that is DraftKings? Well, I'm Mike Luke. We got John Schuster in here. And Shu, we've got game day coming here. Not Well, not ESPN game day, certainly, but <laughs> we've got game day. We've got a home crowd environment tomorrow. And quite frankly, I don't know quite what to expect, to be honest with you. We're going to lay down a bunch of different ideas. But first and foremost, do you think the fans show tomorrow? Probably not. Uh, and I guess, uh, you know, when a query like that is posted, it depends on, you know, qualifications and so forth. I know mm-hmm. Jed Fish was very active on social media this week, trying to get a trying to do his best to make it a Virginia Tech-style uh, you know, uh, uh, crowd and a big, a very excitable atmosphere in uh, Virginia Tech. He wants to do the same thing here, hopes that he can uh, break sellout records, get a lot of tickets sold. And it's hard to say how it's going to resonate. And I have a feeling, Mike, it might resonate, resonate in two different uh, components. One, uh, perhaps with the student body, I think that's something to delve into a little bit. And how the community reacts is uh, something that we're going to uh, have to observe as well. And I think in the early stages, they may be a little bit different and a little and bit disconnected. We're going to get into kind of the tortured fan base. And I've got an, ar- got an article up on uh, gophoenix.com about that. But let's talk a little bit about what Jed Fish is doing here. And you got to give him credit. For creativity here, because I do think that he realizes that this is somewhat of a 
a beaten down fan base. Let's put that over the years. We've had some highs for sure, but you know, there have been some issues. He's doing a lot of different things. There's going to be, they're going to be going down for, uh, they're going to be talking with all the fraternities today. They're going to basically be telling him, you know, without telling him, Hey dudes, can you guys get drunk after the game as opposed to <laughs> drinking, going for about the first half and then saying afterwards, all right, well, yeah, this stinks. Let's go off and drink. So there it's going to be fascinating because in my entire life here, and I've basically been on campus for about 20 years as a professional student, almost, I haven't seen that kind of outreach, but you know, what's kind of cool about it. It, it's kind of a no-brainer when you think about it. I mean, how many times have people joked about the Zona Zoo and about how people don't show up or the kids leave early? This is a coach that's got a little bit of a hip quality to him, and he's going to him, and he's saying, come on, guys, we need you here. You got all evening to be able to go do college-level kid things. Why don't you show up to the game here? And I think it's an interesting outreach proposal that I've never really heard about before. I think, yeah, I, I, I think other coaches have done it, given it a go, but uh, Fish's efforts from a fan standpoint, I think he's put a lot of effort into trying to make that work uh, for the Arizona fan base, uh, for the Wildcat fan base. And, and one of the things I'm really not sure about is whether Fish came into this program understanding that Arizona wasn't drawing big numbers or whether there were people behind the scenes who were kind of telling him PR propaganda. Oh yeah. Arizona does just fine. Yeah. They bring in good numbers. Things are perfectly okay. You know, it's a good fan, you know, a million, there are a million people here, you know, they go to Arizona football games and, and so, you know, I don't know. That might work though back in the day, but the problem is Google exists now. Yeah, but you have to use it. And if you're and, and and if you're busy uh, in a situation where you're trying to work on recruits and you're trying to deal with uh, you, you know what a bunch of other elements that uh, revolve around an actual football program, mm-hmm. then you know things get a little bit uh, uncertain, a little bit different, and and you can buy into the insulated group around you. And if the mm-hmm. insulated group is all wildcats all the time, which is understandable, you know, there, there's, there's going to be some folks that uh, you chat with on a consistent basis. If they're not giving you legitimate information, then you can go into something and be a little bit surprised. For me, I like what Jed Fish is doing, obviously, to try to engage the student body. That is absolutely critical, and it's a great foundational start, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, and, and, and one of the mentalities that he's going to have to fight in that regard, is that um, the student body doesn't have, doesn't come to Arizona Stadium with any real history lesson. The community, and I know you've talked about this in your article, and I think we're going to talk about this in the course of the show. We can get to it a little bit later. The Mm -hmm. community understands, yeah, Larry Smith, they got close. Yeah, Dick Tomey, they got close. One of Rodriguez's teams uh, played in the in the title game because uh, they won the South, and you know Arizona's got a little Abner complex uh, to it as far as the fan base is concerned. Sure. Uh, the student body has no clue about any of that. The student body dresses up, looks good, gets hammered b- before the game shows up at the game for a half and in that first half man it looks good the cameras are focusing on that on the zona zoo and they are they are kooky they are wacky they are loud they are rambunctious and then they leave at the half because generally speaking they think that their football team isn't very good and they don't really care so they're and gone at that- the half they've used it as an excuse and they move on to something else and then in the second half if you're watching the Arizona football game, it doesn't look very good uh, from an observational standpoint as an outsider and from a standpoint from recruits. You don't want to play in front of an empty stadium. That's where 
looks bad. And that's, I think, the first area. And I appreciate that he's giving that a go today, trying to get Greek Row involved on a lengthier commitment mm-hmm. uh, to see if that ultimately helps and plays a role. And, and, and we'll find out if it does and how that takes. You see, and we've talked about it a couple times now, and I think it's important to kind of throw some background into what exactly we're talking about by the tortured fan base here. Now, I'm not like you. I don't go back to the Pop McHale era, but I am a guy. I'm sorry. That's, that was the cheesiest lame joke ever for somebody that's only 20 years older than me. But let's talk 200 years older than you. I mean, depending on how you really want to knows. look at it. I, I, I moisturize really General, well. Civil, Civil War General John K. Schuster. But – Let's talk a little bit, at least in my lifetime, and I think there are two seasons that really kind of encapsulate what Arizona football has been for the fan and why I think the fan is a little, let's be honest, skeptical about going and supporting Arizona football. Let's talk at first, 1994. You've got a team in Arizona that is coming off a Fiesta Bowl thrashing of the Miami Hurricanes. Again, a team that won 29 nothing. I remember where I was. I was only 10 years old at the time, but I didn't really expect it. Our buddy Anthony Gemino expected it, and uh, we might have him on uh, at some point coming up. But so Arizona goes into the season, and if you look, I'm actually going to push this up right here. Hold on a second. Sorry. Well, man, this is on the fly. Uh, this is on the full fly line. This was Arizona football. For people out there that don't know the history of Arizona football, they graced the preseason cover of Sports Illustrated. That's what we're talking about right here. And lo and behold, it was a weird season that you can actually detail a little bit better than I can. But Arizona went in with national title aspirations and they ended going eight and four. I think you can favorably argue this was the most frustrating season for Arizona football and possibly it's most transformational in the last 50 years mm-hmm. because Arizona was 10 and two the year before if they're 11 and one and, and, and they should have been 11 and one they were statistically better than three of the four teams on that schedule right if you're 10 and two and then you back that up with an 11 and one season and you're playing again in a major bowl game even if you don't win the conference because you lost to USC that was the one legitimate loss on that schedule now you know, you may be in a position where you can uh, convince a number of other recruits that you can be, you know, a, a consistently good football program. And it may be the difference between low points of five wins and high points of maybe 11 and averaging nine a year, sort of like what Utah does, mm-hmm. uh, versus being a team with a low point of two wins, uh, an average of five or six that occasionally wins eight. Uh, and that's a big difference. And and that's right now the difference that Jed Fish has to work for. And I think you can look back at that 94 season as being one of frustration. And and it was one from a fan base standpoint where they had already been frustrated. They had all, you know, the thing that sticks in Arizona's craw, the Arizona football fans craw, again, not the student body. Student body doesn't know Arizona history. Mm-hmm. They show they, they make a lot of noise. They're great for atmosphere and bless them. But if you ask some 18 to 22-year-old kid who's getting blitzkrieged before the game and then blitzkrieged after the game, they aren't going to, uh, you, you know, talk your ear off about, uh, you know, the great defenses from the 90s and how close they were and how in back-to-back weeks one year under Larry Smith they beat SC and UCLA. Those conversations aren't happening, you know. But with the fan nor base— should they, little- Nor should they happen. <laughs> kids aren't going to have that. It's not how kids roll. No. So there are two different fan bases here. 
that that need to be discussed in different ways. The fan base that you're talking about is the community one that gets beat up. And the thing that sticks in their cross specifically is this. Only team in the Pac-10 never to go to the Rose Bowl. And even though that's an outdated statistic now, not just because it's the Pac-12 now and has been for a while, uh, and not just because during the era when it was the Pac-10, Cal and Oregon State didn't go to the Rose Bowl either. Uh, that was uh, a massive issue, I think, for the fan base. And it was kind of a self-esteem thing that just stuck with them. They could never get to the Rose Bowl and they knew that people, other fan bases, were going to rip them on it. And, mm. and so that became a singular sentence source of frustration for the Arizona football fan. Yeah. Now let's move a little bit on, because I got one other example that I think really kind of brings it to, and this is something that I lived by the age of 15, 16, and I, I remember it very, very well. And that was the best season in U of A history for me is the 1998 season. I mean, some people might argue 94, at least for me, it was 98. Arizona finishes fifth in the nation in one poll, fourth in the nation in the other poll. Okay. And you beat my, or excuse me, you beat uh, Nebraska in the holiday bowl. You go 12 and one. I think you could favorably argue that this was one of the better Pac-10 teams of the 90s. As a matter of fact, I think it's hard to argue that it wasn't one of the better Pac-10 teams. They're probably a quarter away from playing in the national championship game against UC or, uh, but UC the UCLA game happened. So Arizona goes into the very next season with the majority of its squad back. Now, in all fairness, you lost your best player in Chris McAllister, but you bring in, you still bring back both your quarterbacks. You bring back arguably the best running back in school history and trunk candidate. You bring back arguably the best wide receiver, Dennis Northcutt. You've got a lot of players across the board. Arizona goes into the season ranked number third, number three. And at least from my perspective, there was always an all time, there was a big buzz about that season because honestly, it felt like that we it felt here on the ground in Tucson like we had a national championship contender on our hands. That's the way it felt to me. And anytime, let's be honest, that you're number three, eh, there's probably some national title aspirations. But you know what? You had a tough first game of the season, and I think everybody knew it was going to be tough. You were going into Happy Valley to play Penn State, who was preseason number four. Now, Penn State had LeVar Arrington and Courtney Brown, two top five picks. But I think a lot of people looked at it and said, you know what? Arizona's a slight underdog, but the Cats should have a chance there. Well, it took about 10 seconds to realize that the Cats had absolutely no chance there. And Arizona walked out of there losing 41-7. to And honestly, the game wasn't even that close. I mean, we've seen some blowouts in our time here watching Arizona football, but shoo, that was a blowout that felt like it was 155 to nothing. And the reason is what you talked about because the expectations were so significant going into that year. Yes, mm -hmm. earlier we talked about an important in 1994. If you're looking at a transformational game from an Arizona football trajectory standpoint and an Arizona fan frustration standpoint that singular game against Penn State obviously ranks at the top of the list and Arizona never recovered uh mm -hmm. they were a team that uh put up a lot of yards didn't necessarily right. put up a lot of points that was frustrating and their defense wasn't particularly good so they finished the season what around 500 and 500, uh, which is six and six yeah which is an entirely and rebounded and never rebounded and within two years the coach who had led them to a 10 and 2 season and an 11 and 1 season 
-hmm. was gone. Right. And then the entire direction of the program changed as well. I think if you were to look at one specific line, why is Arizona? Because if you look back at Arizona historically, and I know the student body loves this stuff, as uh, we've we've outlined so far, the history of Arizona is basically that they're an eight win football program. They were an eight-win football program in the WAC. They were an eight-win football program in the Border Conference. They were an eight-win football program in the uh, – in, 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 you name a conference. And up until that Penn State season, Arizona it was, was a solid reputation. It was solid a solid reputation. reputation. Solid football team. That, that happened for 50 or 60 years. Right. And then once Tomey left, Makovic came in. It was a mess. Stoops bell curved a little bit, got him to seven and eight wins, and had some good teams on that roster. Rodriguez mm -hmm. did the same thing. Uh, Sumlin was a mess. And now Jed Fish is trying to get Arizona back to a level and even higher than it was uh, before that last 20 years. And probably looking back at that Penn State game, you can say maybe that was a turning. It's, it's so weird to say, given that the game was over 20 years ago. Right. But you could argue it defined a program. And it defined the program in the wrong direction. And that's what Arizona has fought for the next 20 years. And it was a source of frustration, obviously, for a fan base that felt that that feels like it has been burned enough and now needs to have it proven to them that this can be a legitimate program before they get to the point of supporting it. And I think that's the battle that Jed Fish is going to deal with. And I think in the early stages, it's going to be really interesting to see how the community supports them. And I think what this is what Jed Fish is dealing with, and we're gonna we'll obviously be talking about this a little bit later. But Jed Fish is dealing with a program, and this is not a good stat. It's quite frankly an amazing stat that Arizona football in the last twenty plus years since nineteen ninety eight has finished the season ranked once, once. We're talking twenty two years now has finished the season ranked once. That puts you in the category of Kansas. Rutgers, schools like that where you don't really want any business to be in. I mean, heck, Coastal Carolina has more than you do at this point. That's that's not a good thing. So that would be something that uh, that's something that's just not good. And there's really no way there's really no way around that. Now we're going to talk about you know preview the San Diego State game and you know what maybe some lines to look at. But one thing that you guys all need to know about is DraftKings. And if you haven't downloaded the DraftKings app, well, you know what. It's 9-10 right now. Everything became legal yesterday, and DraftKings is the absolute best place to get it because you don't want to go by some fly-by-night place. You want to be able to go in there and get something that you absolutely trust. And I think that's a big deal when it comes to people with their money. And when you're partnering with PHNX, that's a pretty good deal, and I'm going to give you a deal that you're really you're going to find anywhere. You're not going to find anywhere. If you put down $1 on a bet, football bet, you're going to get a $200 play. Now, just think about that. Again, you got to put in code word PHNX, but what can you really do with that? You can do a lot with that. A lot of people made some money last night betting on the uh, Thursday night football game. You're going to see a lot of bets going forward, I believe. And let's be honest here. DraftKings is the place. You've heard of DraftKings. I've heard of DraftKings. My mother doesn't even gamble, and she's heard of DraftKings. Those are the kind of places that you really want to be able to put your stock with there, John Schuster. Uh, somebody, uh, on this, uh, live stream here, uh, did exactly what you said and, mm -hmm. uh, took advantage of it and enjoys the fact that there's a little bit extra money in his account 
as a result of that promotional offer. One of the things mm -hmm. that I found interesting, too, is that and, and anybody who's been watching YouTube or watching TV or, you know, whatever the situation, you can't get away from gambling ads right now. Everybody's mm -hmm. trying to get into the Arizona sportsbook business because they know that it's lucrative. A lot of them, a lot of those apps are also confusing. Mm -hmm. DraftKings isn't. DraftKings is very straightforward. And sometimes, and, and, and I know there's a jargon out there and there's a terminology and a lot of, you know, gamblers out there who understand how to navigate this. And there are a lot of other folks who don't. And so when you get into some of that confusing terminology, it doesn't really help you out. DraftKings was easy. And, and, thing, and, and that aspect and the, was excellent. And the great thing about it, and just to be clear, you've got to put down the $1. It's got to be on a football game, obviously. But, you know, that's easy because everybody's watching football at this point. Football is America's sport. And sorry, baseball fan, it just is what it is at this point. And it's pretty easy. So go to DraftKings, download, or excuse me, put in the code word PHNX app or uh, and the PHNX code. And you know what? You're going to be good to go. And the one thing that's also really cool, though, about being able to be here, Shu, is the PHNX, just the PHNX brand that we're being able to partner with here is really something that's cool. And I would recommend going to gophnx.com and becoming a member because it gives you access to pretty much everything. You get written content, but you also get a bunch of exclusive stuff. You get, you know, merchandise offers. You get behind-the-scenes looks. You get access to basically every single, uh, every single podcast, every single live stream. And when you're in a state like Arizona, that's a, you know, a sports crazed state. Why in the world wouldn't you go to PHNX? So go to PHNX.com and you're going to get a lot of different options in there and you're going to get a lot of different merchandise, different issues in there. So a lot of good stuff at PHN at gophnx.com. Now, getting back to U of A football and the fan experience, and we're going to break down where exactly where exactly this will be come game time. But let me ask you this, and this is hard for an Arizona fan to say, but should should the fans show? Because I've heard, I always argue that the fan, that, you know, you're in Tucson. This is absolutely a, this is, it's a college city, no doubt about it. Even when Arizona basketball is not great, the fans show up. But I've, there's always one analogy, though, that I hear from people that don't go. And again, I encourage everyone to go because, you know what, there's, we're in Tucson. That's based, the university is what everything controls. But the one example that I think is difficult to really, get past is when somebody says, if I keep going to a restaurant and they keep giving me bad food, why should I continue to go there just out of loyalty, just because maybe my friend owns the restaurant or not? And that's a difficult thing to really be able to throw back at somebody and say, well, that's stupid. What do you think about that? No, there isn't an argument against it. The there is sport, sports, uh, and, and, and I'm glad you brought it up. Sports teams, brands, rely on the community unity nature of that program. And they hope that that loyalty is enough to be able to bring money into the program and that they continue to win. And they will argue in the process. And the argument is fair that it will be, uh, you know, it's a source of pride for the community. The community gets involved with it. You like be, you like feeling like you're a part of something. Sports can do that in a way that really nothing else can. Uh, that argument is fair. The problem is, and I think I think what you said is absolutely legitimate, and it's clear that a lot of the folks in Tucson, you've talked to them directly, and this is something I wouldn't mind getting into perhaps a little bit uh, later 
as well, is that um, you're in this situation where, yeah, if it isn't, you don't make, you don't have a lot of disposable income. You may right. be in one of those situations. You got to figure out what it is that's going on. And we can get into the conversations about it. You know, games start at seven or games start at 830 or games start at 10. Half of the season, it's 90 degrees or above and half the stadiums in the sun. And, you, you know, there's a lot of right. inconvenience reasons you can make up in regards to, you know, where Arizona football fans are. But if the product isn't any good, then it's your money and you can spend it however you want. And uh, mm -hmm. that is, uh, I think, how this is, uh, how the fan base has treated Arizona football right now. So what and I think is going to happen, my, my guess here, Mike, is what I think is going to happen, and perhaps we'll be wrong and we'll find out tomorrow and there will be a lot more support than we expect, is that Arizona is going to be in a position where they're going to have to prove that they can win first before the fans show up because the fan base that's been here for years or decades is going to be frustrated uh, with the product. And you've talked directly to people who, who didn't, you know, a lot of our conversations have involved how we thought Arizona looked pretty good, better than expectations against BYU. But based on some of the people you've talked to, it doesn't sound like better than expectations against BYU is enough necessarily to go to the season opener at home. Well, right. We just had two people uh, uh, interact right here. And again, we definitely encourage uh, anybody to you know reply, respond. That's going to be a big part of the show. And we had somebody, uh, Sony Cam, who said that, you know, in 1986, Arizona was one game short of the Rose Bowl, which I think encapsulates the Arizona football experience that even when you're good, it's just not quite there. Right. And then Ryan DeMarco, I thought, made an interesting point where he said that college sports are different than pro sports. I would agree with that. But I, but at the same time, though, I think the the spontaneous, the spontaneity, the or the organic part of being when your team is good or when there's hype around there is something that most colleges should be able to tap into. And I think to the Mike Stoops era where Arizona wasn't ranked, but there was a little bit of a window there where Arizona was good and they didn't have any problem with the fan base showing up because you had an energetic coach. You had a guy who wanted to be who people wanted to be around for lack of a better term. And to me, that's what you need to be able to have. And hopefully Jed fish has a little bit of those qualities. I think he does. This gets into some, this gets into some difficult, you know, different eras. Larry Smith, I think was a very good coach, but he, at the hiring time, he wasn't necessarily a wow coach and he wasn't a PR guy. Dick Tomey was the, what, what the fourth coach that Arizona wanted. Right. So he wasn't particularly popular. wasn't very exciting. He was good. He turned out to be good, but Tommy also wasn't, didn't bother with PR. It wasn't about, Tommy was a guy who, if you played football in front of 50 people or 50,000, it made no difference to him. So right. that didn't really galvanize the fan base either. Uh, Stu so, so I think the Stoops hire was very important for Arizona and an interesting history lesson in regards to how the fans approached Arizona football and have approached it since. And part of that is that when Stoops was hired, the fan base believed, whoa, this guy is a legitimate name, a hot assistance. Arizona football, the University of Arizona just got serious mm -hmm. about its football program. Right. So we're going mm -hmm. because we think there's a chance this football program is going to be pretty good. Right. And they bought into it. The honeymoon lasted, what, two and a half, three years. Mm -hmm. And Arizona got better, but then hit a wall and it dropped off fairly precipitously. Right. Once Stoop couldn't turn the corner, everything else after that was sort of in fool me twice mode. 
and it hasn't recovered. And right. that's the problem that I'm not sure Jed Fish understands. Uh, and it's something that I hope if it's if if the numbers are frustrating and if and if community fans don't show up in the droves that he hopes they do, I hope that he's willing to work through it, work through it, work through it, recognize it as like a lot of things in this football program, a long-term investment. And if he can do that, then, you know, ultimately, if he if he recognizes, yes, I've got to work it, even if it feels like I'm just talking to myself. And if he can do that and does, does, doesn't get too frustrated with the process, I think uh, as long as you start to recruit well and uh, win some games, eventually they'll get there. But I think they're not going to get there immediately and have faith in you. You're going to have to prove it to them. All right, so if we're about time to make our DraftKings pick of the week right here. And you know what? I've got a pretty good one here, but I also want to remind you about DraftKings first and foremost. You need to get the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and you need to get it right now because there's, again, as you said, the cool thing about it is it, it's easy to navigate. You go into some of the other sites, and you're like, what in the world am I going to? I went in here to make a bet on football, and now I'm looking somehow at tennis and or I'm looking at uh, you know, some kind of weird fine print. There's nothing with that that there is with uh, DraftKings. DraftKings is just easy. And I think that's the great part about DraftKings. But why don't we get to our DraftKings pick of the week? I do want to give everybody a little bit of a heads up, though, that, you know what, if you do have a gambling problem, that's something you need to take very seriously and call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. You know, eligibility restrictions apply uh, but you know, one per customer, but you need to, you know, that's where you should go. If you've got a few issues in play, but let's talk about our pick of the week. And right now, Arizona is at 2.5 or is a 2.5 favorite right now points against San Diego state with DraftKings. Now that started off as a pick which means obviously you've got money going in on Arizona. I am all over this two and a half right here. I think that Arizona 100%. I think Arizona is going to win this game by about seven to 10 points. I know you disagree a little bit. Give me your reason and I'll tell you why you're wrong. Well, you know, tell me why I'm wrong, even though it's going to be very difficult because I don't necessarily disagree with your perspective here. Uh, based on one of the things that I think is very careful to pay attention to as far as collegiate sports is concerned. We talked about this a little bit on yesterday's broadcast as well is the difference between week one and week two is huge. You can have teams that look really good in week one. You jump on them in week two. They're, you find out they're ultimately pretty inconsistent. They come back down to earth. You have teams that don't look very good in week one uh, that get a big chewing out by the coaching staff right. and, and look a heck of a lot better in week two. Uh, all, so I, I think this is one of those games where that possibility resides. But there are plenty of reasons why you'd look at Arizona and, and it's not difficult to understand why that line moved from a, a pick em to uh, Arizona being a two and a half point favorite. If you just, I tested the two teams and one of the things is not a whole heck of a lot of people saw San Diego State's win against New Mexico State. Oh, stop. Don't act like you didn't watch the New Mexico State game. Well, you know, you have to do your uh, due diligence, right? Uh, right. Uh, everybody's a big Aggie fan. Uh, who doesn't like Aggie vision, right? Right. And uh, <laughs> Aggie, you know, vision, Aggie vision's still a thing. I don't know. Well, it must be, right? I, I mean, why wouldn't why wouldn't right. Aggie visit why would be a thing? It, why would it go away? <laughs> but but it's not a game that a lot of people watched. Right. And then they look at so so 
what you're relying on. Whereas the Arizona game with BYU, if you're an Arizona fan, obviously you, you got to check out that game and, and you did and a lot of other people. People beyond that checked it out. Uh, you know, looked like it was that, that folks expect, well, what was BYU roughly a 12 point favorite heading into that game? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, they didn't cover and Arizona had a chance you know, to make that and, and did make it interesting and had a chance maybe to even get a W in that matchup, which not a lot of people expected. So Arizona looked better than expected. And then if you look at the box score with San Diego State, they're losing to New Mexico State 10 nothing at the half. Right. Now, the final of that game was 28 to 10. Mm -hmm. But there are some clear issues that San Diego State had as a result of the way that it played uh, in its uh, initial matchup with New Mexico State. You don't have to look any further than Jordan Brookshire, who mm -hmm. was 6 of 19. He's San Diego State's quarterback. 6 of 19 for, I think it was 76 yards. 76 yards. That's not is that is that not going to unless get it listen done. unless you're running like the wishbone or the option in the eighties that is not going to cut it and Brady Hoke talked about it the San Diego State coach when he was asked are you going to be able to um, you know beat Arizona if you uh, if you can't throw the ball and Brady Hoke looks at him and he says well, you know, we're actually going to try to complete passes here. That wasn't actually part of the game plan. Now, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it was kind of a rolling eye emoji type situation right there. But the one thing that I think San Diego State's got going for them on the ground is you've got some pretty good running backs. Greg Bell is a guy that signed with Nebraska out of uh, – out of a uh, junior college, he's back for uh, he's back for his sixth year. He's kind of the engine that's going to be working a lot for, and Arizona's got to be able to stop him. And if Arizona stops him, I think you're going to feel pretty good about your the possible outcome there because when you go six and nineteen against New Mexico State, shoe, that's generally a look that you're probably not going to be very uh, you're not going to be very good. And again, that's a big reason why for my DraftKings pick of the week, I like uh, Arizona to cover the two point five because I think they'll be able to control the ground game to a certain extent. And and if they control it enough, that'll be enough. Yeah, when you're one dimensional mm -hmm. on a offense, it's going to be difficult. And I think it's pretty clear going into this game that Arizona is going to stack the line defensively to try to stop Bell, who had 161 yards, by the way. San Diego State put up about 260 on the ground mm -hmm. in a game where they gained about 340. Right. Uh, so the passing game was not very good, but the rushing game was. Mm -hmm. You rush for 260, you're doing pretty well. Right. And so they're going to try to establish that. That's obviously an area where they're a lot more comfortable. Uh, mm -hmm. So Arizona, defensively, this is not rocket science, no kidding. It's also not a chess match. It's football. Right. And right. as a football strategy standpoint, uh, Arizona is going to put a lot of people on the line, try to stop the run, and get San Diego State into second and third and long situations because they're going to try to make the Aztecs beat them through the air as opposed to you know dominating the ground game. And if Arizona's mm -hmm. defense can stop that, then you have to feel pretty good about where their opportunities are in getting a W here. And, hey, it's a home game. You know, right. anytime – you're playing at home, you feel pretty good about uh, you know what the results are. Now, for all intents and purposes, San Diego State has nothing but road games this year. Uh, they're in a, there's a stadium uh, rebuild going on, so they're playing their quote unquote air quote home games in Carson, California. Uh, so they're they're not going to draw a lot of fans anyway. Uh, but this one is legitimate. They're on the road, and uh, sometimes you know the college atmosphere can get to you. So I think it's. Uh, you know, there's reason to believe based on performance, again, what we saw in week one, which is not indicative 
at all about how how college athletics can go. But you have to feel pretty good about Arizona's opportunity here. And at two and a half, that's not a bad line at all. All right. Now, why don't we look? Why don't we go for a view from the fishbowl right here for another possible outcome? I think that's an excellent idea. There it is. There it is. Oh, I love that. Honestly, we have the best, and I, I got to give a I got to give a big shout out to everybody behind the scenes here because this this is fantastic, and everybody behind the scenes right here has been has been absolutely great. Here's my view, and here's what I'm looking at for my view from the fishbowl. And you know what? The great thing about the view from the fishbowl segment is that you can basically go any way you want with the fishbowl. I can say from Jed Fish's point of view, I can say from Mike Luke's point of view. I can say from John Schuster's point of view, I like speaking for you. Maybe I can do, I'll do it again at some point, but Jed Fish, I thought, I know we're looking forward to that. Jed Fish, I thought made an interesting point though, where, when he talked about, you know, about how they need to, about how he knows that you have to do a lot of stuff behind the scenes, but they know he knows that he has to win games here. Eventually. My question is this, and I don't have a real answer for this. What is the what is the honeymoon per se? Because everybody knows that he came in with a team that doesn't have a ton of talent. But if Arizona loses to San Diego State, will this really just become something where you know what we'll believe it when we see it type thing, and it'll be a hundred percent bad until you start winning games? I think we're honestly in that position, regardless. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, I really. Irregardless or regardless? Uh, well, hey, it's your word. It's your show. I'm just along for the ride. Pronounce it however way you want. If you want to add an extra syllable, by all means. Uh, anyway, I don't. I think obviously, if you're a fan, based on the way they played against BYU, you're frustrated if Arizona loses a home game to a San Diego State game that was down in the first half against New Mexico State. Uh, but I think in the long term, I don't know that it's that big a deal. Uh, Jed Fish is right. Eventually, you've got to win some games here. But if Arizona at the end of the year is a three-win football team because they beat San Diego State or a two-win football team because they didn't, okay. Uh, you know, you've got to get better talent here, and I think people understand that. The I guess it's up to your definition of the honeymoon period mm -hmm. uh, because I don't I, – I think right now what we're in – because of some of the history we talked about earlier, is that we're in the continuation of the apathy period for Arizona football. Right. But, you know, you hope to see some improvement. You got good signs in the first week. And if you get a W against San Diego State, it doesn't hurt. But I'm not sure that that's going to move the needle a whole heck of a lot from an overall fan standpoint, to be honest with you, at least in the early stages. I think there's a long way to go. And, and coming into the year... Isn't Arizona picked to finish last in this conference? Yes, by a mile. Um, so there so, aren't really, yeah. yeah, there aren't really a lot of expectations here, Mike. So, so um, it's nice if Arizona wins, but I don't think it's an end-all, be-all game by any stretch of the imagination. Jed Fish has a lot of time. This is much more up to the administration, you know, barring some weird stuff that happens behind the scenes, Macavickian stuff that we can't necessarily under, you know, anticipate going in, uh, or Sumlin stuff that we can't necessarily anticipate going in. Some, sometimes you can tell when changes need to be made early on. It's very early on, but it seems unlikely that that's going to happen in this case. So it's up to the administration to determine what the long-term opportunities are and how much leeway they're ultimately going to give him. And, then, and, and while it's nice to knock off San Diego State, I don't think it really moves the needle one way or the other a whole heck of a lot. I'm I'm curious as we as we kind of get into the last uh, the last leg here of the show. I'm curious to see how Arizona quarterback Gunnar Cruz goes uh, because. Watching him in the first half, 
and watching him in the second half, it looked like a much different quarterback right there. Now, um, Jed Fish said that he was going to probably play both quarterbacks, but I think at the time, anytime you hear a court, a coach, and this is my view from the fishbowl say that I'll probably play two quarterbacks unless he says they definitely will. I think he's looking for a reason not to play two quarterbacks. That's generally what I take from that. And honestly, in the second half, I think we saw enough from Cruz to not maybe think that this is the long-term answer, but to think that this is a guy that certainly got some ability and somebody that could, could possibly be the answer and could was certainly probably the better quarterback option of the two right now. The better, certainly based on that performance, uh, it, it, it seemed that way. And, and we might discover that Cruz is just better at this stage with the talent around him uh, than Plummer is. It's also possible that Plummer getting into a game situation realized what it is that he needed to work on and uh, make some improvement as this thing progresses. All things are possible. But I what Arizona did with Cruz and the way Cruz reacted, we kind of look at this in, in, in this way where, wow, Gunnar Cruz had a much better second half. True. Well, why? Was it because he got better or, or because the Arizona coaching staff gave him a, a, opportunities to make some adjustments on the fly? I think the coaching staff did a really good I job here in, in figuring out what it was that how BYU was trying to attack them. That's good news for For Wildcat fans, if you have those kinds of adjustments, uh, with some, you, you know, with uh, with your players, and if the players obviously can execute that, you're in good shape. So BYU had a defensive game plan going in, and Arizona adjusted against it and was reasonably successful. Mm-hmm. Arizona put up big yards, a, a good, a, a, a surprising amount of yardage. The problem, ultimately, and I think this is going to be an issue with Arizona throughout the course of the year, is that they didn't put up points. You know, in and the I, end, Arizona scored 16 points, and one of those drives was fairly short field. And how many times do you see it where it's, all right, cool, you got 316 yards, but you know what? You got one touchdown out of it or, you know, or two touchdowns. That's just not enough. In college football, with the way that everything is, where you've got to be, where everything is designed for you to score points, it's a, the clock doesn't run after a first down. Right. Obviously, you've got a lot of the rules like the NFL, where you're certainly encouraging points. So you've got to, I've always believed that, you know what, you've got to go into a college football game, unless it's Alabama playing Georgia, where it, this is not well, what we're talking about me, right me, here. But, but, but actually, Mike, I've got a kind of side question, if you don't what, mind. What do defenses had a good week in week one in college Mm -hmm. football. Mm -hmm. Is that an anomaly or have they figured out some of what these college offenses are finally trying to do? You know, that's a great question. I, I would tend to say it's an anomaly. We'll certainly know after this week, but you've also got, this is really your first kind of real season Um, I just don't know that defenses are ever going to be able to catch up with football offenses again, just because everything is geared towards the offense at this stage. Um, But I mean, you could be right. I just don't, I don't know. I think we'll know more about that after week two. I think maybe you're suggesting that there's a lot of rust on the offensive end because of the weirdness from last year so forth. And so trying to get that figured out because maybe takes a little longer. Okay. I can see yeah, that. I mean, uh, that's the, but, uh, that's and, and, uh, and getting back to where we are, I, I think that I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays off. I think that's an excellent point is that, uh, you know, Arizona obviously has to be able to get the ball in the end zone. And mm-hmm. one of the problems they're going to have, I think offensively this year is that they just don't have that many uh, breakaway players. 
Right. They, uh, you know, they they had some good numbers. Anderson right. was good. Uh, you had a hundred yard receiver. Cruz put up what three hundred through the air. Those are good numbers, mm-hmm. but nobody scored. Right. And that's the thing, which is really offense, what matters. It really is. And yeah, that's I mean, the thing that this <laughs> offense is going to have to figure out. And I have maybe a bad feeling that Arizona is going to be able to move the ball between the twenties. But once the field gets shorter, uh, being able to uh, finish the deal might be a little bit more difficult than they'd like. Or in the fan right. base would like to. All right. So give me your prediction, Shu. What do you got? We'll be up. We'll be up with everybody uh, right after the game, talking about the Arizona San Diego State game. But you know what? Wet the viewers' palate a little bit here, uh, Schuster. What do you got? Yes, let's do that. Twenty-one uh, sixteen Arizona. Okay, so you like them to cover that? You like them to cover? That's a. We both agree right there. So you probably should go to DraftKings right there and get that in. Yeah, That's I mean, well, well, okay, let's say that. I mean, uh, yesterday we talked about my uh, stupendous history and these sorts of things. So I leave all of that to you. I yield the floor when it comes to Luke's locks. Uh, and uh, so when we get into those uh, those shows and that information, I think your information on that front and your track record is much better than mine. But if you're asking for a score prediction, uh, I'll go 21-16 Arizona, but I think there's a possibility the game's going to go pretty quickly because San Diego State's still going to have trouble through the air, and uh, Arizona's defense is going to do just enough to be able to make that uh, difficult enough. I think it's going to be maybe, and this is going to sound weird for a team that's lost 13 games in a row, but from a fan base that expects Arizona to win this by 14 to 17, they might be expect uh, they might be a little bit surprised that it's closer. But I think lucky 13 or unlucky 13 comes to an end Saturday night at Arizona Stadium. All right, I'm going to go I'm going to go 28-17. The old phrase of backing the A that the Arizona tried to uh, unsuccessfully put out there. John Schuster and Mike Luke were both backing the A. Can I ask you go Of course, what's up? Okay. Can I ask you a question beforehand? Well, obviously a question isn't only the, the only thing you can ask. But aside from that, why do you think Arizona's going to put up 28 points? What about their offense makes you think they're that good? I don't think they're that good. I don't think this is far more of an indication that I don't think San Diego State's that good. You lost 70% of your players. You've got a, a, a team that, again, was down 10 nothing at the half to New Mexico State. That, to me, is I don't think this is a vintage New Mexico State team. That's oh, right, San Diego. Okay, I see. San, San Diego State, State team. Team. I just don't think that that's the case right here. So okay. that's, what I'm, that's what I'm going with right here. Now, if you're listening to us, you know what, we're, and we're going to do a – much better job on social media of uh, spreading the word this weekend about uh, tuning in here. But you know what? If you like what you saw, you should go on to YouTube and you should subscribe to the PHNX Wildcats channel right here because we're going to be with you four to five times a week, breaking stuff down. And you know what? Um, we would just want to remind you that we're going to be cranking out a lot of awesome content. And so follow us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on YouTube, wherever you, wherever you like to listen to stuff at PHNX Wildcats or underscore Wildcats. Schuster, I'll be back with you tomorrow right after the game, getting uh, hopefully talking about a victory and hopefully talking about Arizona on a one-game you can't say streak, but maybe a one-game uh, Hey, getting you know, off the snide, as they say, right? Something we haven't felt in about two years. So for uh, John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to PHNX Wildcats.